Hey, welcome to the C3 Auckland podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, head to c3church.org.nz. We hope you enjoy this message. I have the honor and the privilege tonight of sharing my testimony, sharing my journey over the last 10 years. And if I could pick one scripture to describe the last 10 years of my life, it would be the famous scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we all know. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. I am living proof that that scripture works. I am living proof that when you lay your life down to God, he can turn it around and make it beautiful. But I want to ask you tonight, do you believe it? Do you believe that God can take your life exactly where you are now? No matter how broken, no matter how hurting or filled with sin or distant from God, He can take it because He loves it and He can make it into something beautiful. And if you don't believe that tonight, my prayer and my hope is by the time I finish sharing my journey, you'll know two things, that your life matters to God and that God is still in the business of transforming lives. Because when I I came into this place, right, 10 years ago, my life resembled nothing to what it does now. It has been completely transformed and changed in every way possible. And I thought this morning, well, we need to give um, context to this. Like, what was I like before? And I thought, well, there's no photos in Jesus' name. But I thought, how can I do this so it's not me just like listing all these bad things I did, all these attitudes I had. I thought, let's play a game. And this could go completely wrong, but we're going to give it a go. So there's this game, Never Have I Ever, right? And all these are related to me, and they get more and more personal as they go on. So we're going to put a few lists up, and if you're guilty or you've experienced that or gone through it, You can lift up your name to say, yeah, that's actually me. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. We'll just have a laugh at my expense, but you'll see the person I used to be. So let's throw up. Let's start simple. Okay, I've never told a lie, stolen something, used the Lord's name in vain. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Got a bunch of honest people and people that are committing that sin right now. All right, let's let's go a little deeper, a a little heartier, right? I have never been raised without a father. I've never been part of a dysfunctional family where I've never struggled with depression, anxiety, or insecurities. Ouch. Let's go a little bit there. It just went real quiet. Hey? <laughs> went real quiet. This is the reality of our lives. Here we go. What about this? I've never had a drinking problem, a drug problem, done runners from the peace, been involved in illegal street racing, been expelled from school at 14 for selling drugs, or ticked up, one of my favorites, $120,000 in credit card debt. Everyone, baby, everyone. Okay, there's there's quite a few hands still happening, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Right, and now we're going to get a little bit silly, but all true stories. Let's put those last ones up. Danced intoxicated on the edge of a two-story building. Hello. Jumped out of a moving vehicle at 80 kilometers. Uh, That's me. Ridden a tricycle naked off a three-story building into a pool. 
Is there anyone else that can join me in those ones? Stuart? So now, right, we're beginning to have a, a, a picture painted of who I was, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. And jokes aside, honestly, the most dangerous part of my life in this time, it was not the excessive drinking, it was not the excessive drugs, it was not the excessive uh, spending or the emotional stuff I had to battle with, it wasn't even running away from the police at 200 kilometers an hour. The most dangerous thing for me in that time of my life was the fact that I was completely and utterly content in my life. The most dangerous thing was that I didn't know that my life mattered. It was the fact that I didn't know that there was a loving God that my lifestyle was keeping me separated from. It's like my life was spiraling out of control when I was just enjoying the ride, like, yeah, buddy. But lucky for me, I was about to have an experience, I was about to have an encounter, about to have something take place in my life that would change my complete direction forevermore. And this part of my story doesn't actually start with me, but it starts with my sister, Lee. And she went through the same life as me, brought up under the same conditions, but she developed this incredible complex that I like to call a chip on the shoulder. You know what I mean? Like It was like walking on eggshells. She was mad at the world. She was bitter. She was angry. You're just ready for her to snap and have a go at you. And what's worse than her attitude was the fact that she was so longing for love. She was so longing for acceptance and worth that she tried to find it in male relationships. And so she went from relationship to relationship, brokenness to brokenness, abuse to abuse, searching for love, searching for acceptance, but never found it. And out of those relationships, some good did occur. She had three beautiful children. One of those was Gabby on the stage tonight. And Josiah down the back with his little boy down there. So here she is, right? She's bitter. She's angry. She's mad at the world. She's looking for love. She's 25 years old, a single mom with three kids, dealing with life's rubbish. But she gets invited to church, much like many of you would have been invited tonight. And she has an encounter with Jesus Christ. She has an encounter with the love of the Father that changes her life forever. Suddenly that chip's gone. It's more like a crumb. Suddenly she's about love and, and joy and family reconciliation and She's just a different person. As cheesy as it sounds, it's like she went from the caterpillar to the butterfly. It, it was that much of a drastic change. And the most beautiful thing was she finally found worth. She finally found value, and it wasn't in any man. It was the man, Jesus Christ. And you know what? She tried to tell us. She tried to witness to us. She tried to love on us. She tried to invite us to church, and we just was not interested in any manner. We were so caught up, so tied up in our own life that we just couldn't see the beautiful thing that was happening right in front of us. And you see, what happened was a year into her journey of faith, right on Christmas, she gets really sick, and she just knows in her spirit and her heart that something's not right. And before you know it, before 
New Year's comes, she's been diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer. But this is the incredible thing. Her faith never wavered. It never budged. She never blamed God. She never yelled at God. She never challenged God at all. Not through her treatment, nothing. And you know, when someone gets news like that and they don't budge, God's done something in their life. And she would continuously say to us, this cancer is not taking me out. She would continue to say to us, God has a plan and a purpose for my life. And I am so sure that God is going to use my life to lead people to him, to reveal his love, his grace, and his mercy to people. And on this journey, I've actually got a photo of her in the middle of treatment. But this is her. She's like multiple operations, chemo, radio, the works, and yet she's still loving life. She's full of joy. She's full of hope. She's full of a, a future. And she comes to me and Amy. We are, what are we? Amy's 19, I'm 21. And she says to me, hey, this cancer's not taking me out, but it's made me think. It's made me think, you know, if I was to be like, hit by a bus or a volcano was to erupt and was to take me out, would you take on my three kids? And we, just being dumb, were like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, sure, sure. No idea, no idea what was just around the corner. And to think back now, like, what was she thinking? You just heard what we were like. <laughs> there was other options, and yet she felt compelled to ask us to leave her most prized possession. Must have been God, right? But 18 months of her battle with cancer, she lost the battle. And I held her hand in the hospital room as she took her last breath, and she looked at me and she said, are you going to be okay? She was so selfless that she wasn't about where she was going she was worried about us in that moment. She was so secure in Jesus and that she was going to spend an eternity with him. Death did not scare her. Her concern was how were we going to be? And in that moment, my heart broke in a way that I've never experienced. And I inherited a ready-made family of three. And what was tough, guys, was right after that moment, me and Amy had to go back to the house and tell these three kids that mom wasn't coming home. Tell these three kids that had known nothing but their mother's love from the moment of their birth that she wasn't coming home. I just looked at Gabby and now it's making me emotional. Stop, stop. And I remember Caleb, the second oldest, it was the first of April, and he thought it was an April Fool's joke. And I'm like, buddy, I, I wish it was, but this is the reality. You're coming home with us now. And I could just see in his eyes how upset he was. And he's like, but it's my birthday next week, and me and mom have been planning, you know, this party. Oh, God, so heartbreaking, so heartbreaking. And the only thing I could do to cope was to put on a facade, to put on a mask, to pretend like I had it all together, like, yeah, bro, all good. I know what I'm doing. I've got it all under control. But in reality, I was broken 
was confused, I was fearful, and I was hurting. I was a mess. And it got to that point where I was like numb to the world. Have you ever been there where you've been so like hurt and your emotions and your life such in turmoil that you're just numb to the world? That was me. And I was driving one day, meant to be driving to work. I don't know where I was going. Pretty sure I was just going round the roundabout. But I had an encounter with Jesus Christ in my car, a profound moment that I'll never forget. And it wasn't like I looked to my left and Jesus was in the passenger seat. And I was like, sup, bro, Steve. Nice to meet you, Jesus. No, it wasn't like that. And it wasn't, it wasn't this loud voice from, from heaven or it wasn't even a, a vision, but it's what I call an instant download. It was like all this information of my future and the outcomes of these events was deposited in my spirit in one moment. And part of that revelation was that God was with me that it was for me, that it was going to be okay. It was that I was called to this church, to C3, to be part of this church. Remember, I'm not part of this church at this point. But God says, this is your family, this is your home. He said, through your testimony and your sister's death, not only is your family going to acknowledge God again, but you're going to lead people to me. It was a powerful moment. It was a very profound moment and so powerful. But do you know what I did? I rejected God in that moment. I rejected God. I rejected His love. I rejected His purpose. I rejected His future. I made up every excuse I could think of. Oh, endorphins being released in the brain and, oh, my body's having an epiphany to deal with the grief. Now that can't be God. And I pushed God away. And if I could illustrate something here tonight, it would be this, that God is in relentless pursuit of you. Let me say that again. God is in relentless pursuit of you. The scripture here, that God desires that none will perish, but that all will come to the knowledge of the truth. God doesn't want any life wasted, not one. He doesn't want, no, He wants every man, woman, and child on this globe to know the truth, that they're loved, that their life matters, that He has a plan and a purpose for them, that He is willing to die on a cross to heal them, to set them free, to get them forgiven. And I'm so grateful that God continued to pursue me because weak by week, that same flipping encounter on the day, it was like he had set a little watch clock thing. Oh, seven days, better get Steve again. Boom, same encounter, pushed it away again, not interested. God's not real. He doesn't reach out to people like that. Seven days later, happens again. By this time, I'm feeling more frustrated than anything. And so I rummage through my stuff, right? I find the Bible that my sister had given me before she passed away, and I played roulette with it. You know, where you open it up and you just point to something and the hope that God's not going to, like, tell you something. But every time, the love of God, you have a plan and a purpose and a future, the body of Christ. I was just like, no, no, no. This happened 
time and time and time again. And it got to the point, I'm like, man, I need to share this with someone. I need to tell someone about this. So I told Amy, I'm like, I think God's talking to me. I think God's calling us to church. And she just looks at me like, you crazy. Thanks for the support, babe. (laughs) But it got so bad that I'm sitting in bed on a, a summer's night, right? Reading the Bible, same thing, same message. I throw my Bible onto the wall. I literally throw the Bible on the wall. Don't do that. And I'm like, out loud, I said, God, if you're real, if you're speaking to me, if you're calling me to this thing called church, then make it rain. And I thought, ha ha, got him. It was like my escape goat, you know, like there's no way this is happening. So this is my get out of jail free card. You know what happened? The heavens opened. It rained. It teemed for like 30 seconds and then it stopped. And me and Amy just look at each other, eh, with this puzzled look on our face, and we're just like, we're going to church tomorrow. (laughs) And we came to church, and we sat, like, right at the back, just like people that I've invited are doing tonight. Um, And... And when Pastor Dean preached and he gave the call, did anyone want to receive Jesus? Did anyone want to make Jesus their Lord and Savior? I lifted my hand and I marched down onto that altar call and I gave my life to Jesus. And in that moment, I can honestly say that he took the grief, he took the pain, he took the confusion, he took the fear, he took everything that I was battling with in that moment. Every piece of it. And if I was to illustrate another thing tonight, it would be this. God wants to perform a great exchange in your life. He wants to exchange your dirty, sinful life for His beautiful, righteous life. You see, God never wants to leave us where He finds us. He accepts us with open arms, but He doesn't want to leave us there. And, you know, in that moment, if he had just taken those things off me, taken the grief, taken the pain, taken the worry, taken the fear, and then left me, that would have been cool. But he did so much more than that. He took the uh, fear and he replaced it with faith. He took the mourning and he replaced it with joy. He took the worry of the future and he gave me a purpose above and beyond myself. And I can honestly say, that since that moment, everything he spoke to me about in the car, in that car moment, has come to pass above and beyond my expectation. And I'll get to a little bit more on that in just a moment. But over this 10-year journey, right, I've had people come to me and they've said, Steve, you know, Pastor, where's God in this? Where's God in the pain? Where's God in the grief? Where's God in the suffering? And they're asking me personally, but they're asking for a friend, you know, asking for a friend. And I can honestly stand up here tonight and I can ask you, whatever you're going through, whatever trauma you've been in, the, in, your, in your life or you're going through now, whatever pain, suffering or loss, God is with you in that moment. God is with you in that moment because He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And I remember being on the front row in worship, and I had this crazy revelation of of this, that God is with us. It was like a flashback reel, right? 
of all these moments in my sister's life. So it was like her being diagnosed with cancer. It was her going through treatment. It was her um, praying. It was her passing away. It was us at the funeral, right? So I saw all these moments again flash before my eyes. But then it happened again, but this time Christ was in the middle of it. So when she was told that she had cancer, he was there with his hand around her, comforting her. When she was going through her treatment, he was holding her hand saying, you can do this, you got this, I'm with you. When she prayed, he knelt with her and interceded on her behalf. And when she passed away, it's like he carried her spirit away with him. And in this beautiful picture of us at the funeral, and families mourning, but there is Christ in the middle of it, mourning with us for our loss. God is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Whatever you're going through, he's not just there looking in, letting it happen. He's going through the pain. He's going through the suffering. He's enduring with you and holding you on. And not only is he with you in that, but he wants to take what the enemy wants to use for evil, and he wants to use it for good. Your life, what you've been through, what you're going through, the enemy wants to use to hold you down, to pull you down, to separate you from him and stop you walking in the plan and purpose he has for you. But God wants to use it not just to lift you up, to build your faith, to transform you, but he wants it to help save other people's lives. And I remember that moment my sister died, my oldest sister in her emotional roller coaster that was going around. I remember crying out, how can there be a God? How can any good come of this? And in reality, she was right. Because how can someone passing away at 27 years old and leaving their three kids behind cause anything more than just pain, sorrow, and trouble, right? But I can tell you now, from that moment, it saved my life. God took what was meant for evil and he used it for good, not to just save my life, not to just transform my life, but to lead other people to him. From that moment, we've been in church for the last 10 years, like every single Sunday. As pastor said, we've been through kids church and fast track and change and now running this awesome location in Albany. And across that, we've literally seen hundreds of people give their lives to Jesus. We've seen multitudes of people break addiction off their life, have families uh, reconcile miracle after miracle after miracle out of that sorrow, out of that trauma, out of that hurt, out of that pain. Not only that, but I've had the privilege of being part of leading 27 of our family members to Christ. I just want to tell you here, what, honestly, whatever you're going through, if you give it to God, if you lay it down to God, He will take it and He will make something beautiful out of it. I can guarantee it. And I want to close on this. I want to close on this. Don't wait for tragedy to strike before you open your heart to Jesus. I had to be so broken, so 
hurting, so numb to the world that I was open to hear from God. Don't do that. He is here now in this moment wanting to encounter people, wanting to pour out His love and His grace and His mercy to people tonight. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more about our church or to find out what's coming up, check out c3church.org.nz.